Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we're going to be looking beyond the headlines. That's right, we've seen the NASDAQ have a terrific run, but it's been a very focused uh, run that's been driven by just a very small number of companies. Easy to fall foul of this particular trap in the market and end up with what we call bad breath. Take plenty of notes, as always, take plenty of action. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my co host and offsider. Mitchell Lorenzo. Pleasure to be here, Mr. B, as always. Thanks for having me on the show. One thing a lot of people, most people hate is bad breath. Now, this is a play on words because we're going to apply this into the stock market. I'm talking about looking beyond the headline and actually reading through to the story. Indeed, nothing to do with halitosis, all about breath rather than breath. And that's exactly right. We've seen a very, very interesting uh, phase in the stock market where we've seen the big indices, particularly the NASDAQ, uh, perform very well. But is it all that it might seem? And the answer is no. We'd like to dig deeper on the Money and Investing podcast, as you know. So let's dive into it. And I guess, you know, as you said, the starting point is, is it, I guess it's rather like reading a newspaper. Do you read the headline or do you read the story? Because sometimes they're not the same thing. And in this instance, that's very much the case uh, when looking at the market. You see the NASDAQ is up you know, 17, 18%. But is that really a fair reflection of what the stock market is doing? And I don't necessarily think so. As you say, it might not be the case. You look at the headline, as we say, Q1, we've just hopped into April. Q1, great, great quarter for the NASDAQ and the S&P. The Dow, not so much. Mm. However, it's interesting when you actually peek behind the bonnet or peek under the bonnet, excuse me, as to which stocks performed very well and which stocks actually didn't perform that well. 85% of the NASDAQ move has been achieved by eight stocks. If you actually look at the weighted uh, component of of the index, in other words, the really big caps, the giga caps uh, have lifted quite significantly and they've driven the index much, much more than pretty much everything else in there. So it's Apple, Microsoft, Google. Apple, Microsoft, Google, the big guys. uh, And they've performed incredibly well. And by virtue of their size and how much of the index that they make up, they've, they've, you know, contributed substantially to that rise up in the index. Whereas, you know, the other uh, several hundred companies that make up the the benchmark being the NASDAQ, or if we were to talk about the S&P 500, you know, probably 450 of the companies have had a fairly anemic first quarter, but, you know, the, the big guys, the top 10 have really driven it and, and pushed it higher. So does that mean the market's getting stronger or is that an easy trap for a young player to fall into? Potentially. One thing I actually would recommend our listeners, if out there, if you're, if you're really looking to take this seriously, have a look at the ratio of gainers to decliners on a per day basis or per week basis, however you want to see. You see a big move in markets and you see twice as many gainers to losers on the day or the week, you know that the market's pretty strong overall. But if that ratio of gainers to decliners is actually quite small, yet you've seen a big move in markets, typically a good flag to say, okay, maybe it was just made up of a single few stocks. Exactly right. And, and, and that's a really smart tip to give our clients. I think uh, you know, gainers to losers definitely gives you an idea of the breadth of, uh, of where the run has been in markets. So is it a bad thing? Look, as you know, most of the trading I do is in the ETF space and I've got trades running on the NASDAQ as we speak right now. And, and I've been very happy to see the index moving higher. Uh, am I concerned that it's been driven by a handful of stocks? Yes, I am. But as someone that's not focused on picking individual stocks and instead I'm just looking to trade that bigger market, you know, it's a strategy that's worked very, very well. So there are risks in it, of course, and that is that, you know, like any ecosystem, in order for it to thrive, you've got to have all aspects of it performing really well. You know, if we 
talk about property as, a, as an example, you know, the, the investment market has been incredibly strong. First time buyers have suffered as a consequence of it. So you need all aspects of a market to really fire in order for it to be robust. And, and when you see moves like this that are driven by a very, very narrow sector, uh, and, and not just a narrow sector, but literally a handful of stocks, that to me is a risk on. It's not a buying opportunity where markets are setting new highs. It's actually time to take stock and, and, and really look at what risk mitigation and management you've got in place so that you don't find yourself uh, falling foul when those particular stocks have, have seen their run to its conclusion uh, and all of a sudden you're running for the exit door like everybody else. So question to you, AB, in a situation like what we're currently in, as you say, only a handful of stocks making up most of the gains in the movement. What are you doing? What should you be doing? What should you not be doing in that scenario? Yeah, again, like I mean, I like trading the index, so I'm almost impervious and immune to, to, to the individual stock moves. Um, and, and that's worked really well. Um, and I think at the same time, you've got to take into account that that music will stop and rather like, you know, musical chairs, you better make sure you've got somewhere to go sit. Um, what's of particular concern, I suppose, is that where we are economically, uh, and moving into a slower, if not, uh, uh, and, and, and let's just pause there for a moment, actually. You know, the tech sector has been cost-cutting like there's no tomorrow. We've seen, you know, substantial levels of layoffs and, and retrenchment um, within all of the big caps uh, where they've got rid of, you know, tens of thousands of staff. And you wonder how much things like, you know, chat GPT and artificial intelligence are starting to make inroads into some of those, a lot, uh, I'd those say. Sort of, some of those roles. Just got sued for defamation, by the way, chat GPT. I bet they self-rep in court. I'd say so. I bet they win too. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so the notion that the tech sector has been pairing its costs is usually a sign that you've got industries that are getting towards the top of the cycle and their goal is to obviously stay there as long as they can through you know, pairing costs to keep their earnings growth moving along. But if we move into a slower economy, you know, the tech sector in particular can be you know, quite viciously sold off. So we're at that flexion point where we've had a very, very strong run in the market led by the tech sector and led by a handful of stocks within the tech sector that have already been busy cutting costs. Where, where is the next play? Uh, and the answer is likely to be a bit of a tap out and a pullback in that market. And given the fact that, you know, it was the big guys that drove the market. It'll be the big guys and then pull it back down. So I'd be extremely cautious uh, toward the to, towards the market and the Nasdaq at those sort of levels based on what's driven it. So talking to that, AB, factoring in interest mm. rates for a minute, we've mm. seen quite an aggressive rate hike um, scheduled by yep. by the Fed thus far. They've, there's no there's no meeting this month in April. The next one is in May. Yeah, uh, May the third, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And and the market's widely pricing in 25 basis points, which is a stellar difference from when it was once 75 basis points, for example. Mm. If we start to see a slowdown in interest rate hikes or pause, for example, does mm. that change the narrative for tech? I don't necessarily believe it does in that there's a reason why interest rates are slowing down. The, the, the medicine is starting to take effect. We've seen that with you know some of the anecdotal inflation data and, 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 and personal consumption and things like that that are starting to show you know, that the, the, the move by the Fed has, has worked. Um, but it does. There is a lag factor uh, for this in there, and, and whether at the top of the rate cycling, uh, the rate cycle or not, I think we're going to start to see that continued slowdown in the U.S. economy. Just because rates aren't going up anymore doesn't mean to say the economy is all of a sudden going to take off. Because we may see a period of seven, eight, nine months where the Fed hold rates at that 
that that level, uh, and 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 a sort of targeting, let's call it a soft landing, where you know we're not looking to push the economy into a recession, but we are needing to take some air out of the balloon from inflation, and, and let that take its effect and see that economy just slow down a little bit and just make sure that that very very stubborn inflation is knocked out. You know, I think yeah, it will be a while before the rump is knocked out, you know, it'd be like a limpet holding onto the side of a rock whereby, um, you know, the, the headline inflation is declining, but you're going to have that residual three, three and a half, four percent that's going to be really, really hard to, to sort of chisel off the rock. Yeah, it's just interesting you say that, and it could be a long while before we start seeing interest rates come down as mm-hmm. well. And as you say, the, the the economy, the only reason they would pause on interest rates is is if the medicine's yeah. really starting to take effect. Well, well, the other factor too to consider is, is a notion of um, slightly tighter credit markets too, with Silicon Valley Bank falling over uh, and, and banks, you know, plumping up their reserves, if you will. Um, that takes a lot of liquidity out of the market, takes a lot of working capital out of the market, and, and by its very nature, that will have a slowdown effect on earnings over time. So again, you know, the tech sector isn't going to be immune to that either. So talking about breadth here again, AB, mm. if we did see a sell-off in the tech sector, mm. do we expect to see the similar type scenarios to where we saw the gain, where there's only a handful of stocks which pull back or a handful that survive, mm. or is it sort of a you know the, the the ship sinks altogether. Yeah, look, I, I don't I don't think we're looking at a, the, the the ship going down, but I think you know the the very nature of what propelled it up is going to be what propels it down, um, just by the fact that the valuations are more stretched in those kinds of stocks, and to see those retreat to a normal level uh, will mean that they'll pull the market down with the same level of uh, gusto that they've driven it higher. So you know it is something to be very very minded of. Uh, and again, yep, an ETF versus individual stocks, at least with the ETF, you're immune to the stock specific move, but you'll still be affected um, You know, in terms of the pullback in the market. I guess the flip side is you can short the tech sector fairly easily with things like SQQ, which is a triple geared, not for everybody, uh, but a triple geared ETF to the downside. And if we start to see you know, the, the big tech companies coming off, then SQQ will provide a great place to, to capitalize on that. Anything else you would suggest traders out there look at doing? Maybe some volatility plays? Everyone's at different stages of their trading journey. Uh, and we always advocate, you know, you start from the top down. So look at the index, look at what the market has done. And, and I think more than anything, what this conversation highlights is the importance to read past the headline. And even if you're someone that's time poor and you're just very quickly scanning through what the market did, understanding what's driven it is, is very, very important. And, you know, tips like, for example, your use of um, the gainers versus losers to just go, okay, well, that actually is really skewed that there's a very, very small number of gainers and a lot of losers there, yet the market's gone up, would provide the narration, if you will, for for this conversation. And understand that anything that's sort of built on a single pillar is very, very wobbly. You need something that's broad-based to be stable. Um, And so read past the headline, use the gainers and losers ratio over time. And you could look at it on a daily session. It doesn't, you know, it's a very, very short time frame to consider looking at bigger, you know, one week, one month, one quarter type figures is probably a bit more robust when you're looking at the gainers versus losers. Um, Secondly, uh, having laid that in, then look at where the, the, the big weight uh, players are in the index and see how they've performed and see if it is those stocks that are really driving it. Uh, and if that's the case, then yeah, that's a very good warning indicator that this isn't a broad-based recovery in the market at all. It's a very narrow band of outperformers that when the conditions shift uh, and that perfect storm that's working for them right now is no more than you're going to see a fairly nasty sell-off too. You have to get past the headline. So yeah, your evolution as a trader, look at the headline, see what the market's doing, and then start to dig a bit deeper, lift the bonnet, 
gainers versus losers, then look and see within those gainers and losers what the gainers and losers were and if they're the giga caps, uh, which has been the case here, you can tell that it's a very narrow uh, driving force in the market and that is never a good situation. It's always a very fragile foundation on which to uh, to build a, a case. And a lot of investors will be looking at that first quarter thinking, gee, I've missed out. I've been a little bit late to the party in terms of getting in or maybe I've been a bit too cautious this time. Yeah, and we could prove to be very wrong on this comment, but we're about to go into an earnings season right now. It'll be interesting to see exactly what that earnings season looks like. Yeah, we've got lower consumer activity based on higher interest rates. There's a semi-credit crunch, I suppose, that's going on uh, on the back of Silicon Valley Bank where there's less liquidity in the market and that will impact on working capital, it'll impact on, on, on margins, it'll impact on earnings through here. We've also got expectations of earnings that are incredibly low. And just because companies come out with results that are slightly better than a very mediocre expectation of earnings doesn't mean it's a buy case. And I think we are in for a bit of a choppy time uh, through this next quarter. You wouldn't get that just looking at the index. You need to dig deeper to see why it's been moving ahead. And maybe FOMO isn't a feeling that should be washing over you right now. It's maybe, okay, that definitely has happened, but maybe it's starting to get to that flexion point where it's looking a bit wobbly and risk management kicks in and I'm not gonna chase, uh, chase the wind here and try and get onto that train, it's already gone. You heard it here first. AB, great advice. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating to help more people get to the show. And we'll look forward to hosting you next week.